are listening to the podcast, A Resonant Life, produced by The Time Is Now Productions. I am Mike Thompson, your host and reflector-in-chief. In this podcast, we will discuss experiences and insights from living a life devoted to uncovering the authentic self and finding fulfilling purpose from the past, the present, and the future. This podcast is a product of my life and experience, and I'll share my opinions. Opinions between people are various, and we don't all need to hold the same ones. But it is fun to hear the opinions of others as it gives us an opportunity to freshen up our own. If you enjoy and gain insight from listening, please subscribe and share. If you have questions, please email them. And as always, Nothing you hear here is a proscription or a prescription. It is a discussion of life and life's internal and external experiences. So let's get to it. And welcome. Welcome again. Thank you for tuning in and listening to another episode of A Resonant Life. As always, I'm so happy to have you join and share in a discussion about our project of uncovering our authentic selves. So today, we'll discuss grace, the state of grace and its universality. This might seem an odd topic, especially since grace isn't something overtly explicated or noted in traditional Buddhism. And also, it doesn't have an obvious connection to uncovering our authentic selves, at least not on the surface. But please, hang in with me, hang with me, and I'm pretty sure we're going to get to an understanding of grace and a way for it to bridge spiritual traditions. So let's start with a story of a recent experience I had. Not long ago, I was invited to a small dinner party with a family I know, a family I'm very close to. And at the dinner, there was me, there was the hosts, their son and his wife, and then their college-aged son, a college-aged young man. Let's call him Andy. And Andy is a bit unique for a young person his age. He is and has been on a dedicated and faith-filled evangelical Christian-centered spiritual path for some years. His church is the hub of his social and spiritual life. And I suppose because of this, he was asked to say the dinner prayer of thanks, the grace. And his, his short, simple, and heartfelt prayer moved me to tears. I was really so surprised. In the words and faith that he radiated, I saw myself. I saw myself, both as I was at his age, but also as I am now, many years later, and it was, it was a singular experience that I don't really have words to explain still, but I'll try. So in essence, 
The prayer was one of gratitude. He expressed gratitude to his creator and savior for the meal before us, for the hands that made the meal, and for the happiness and health of those who would share the meal. And it was a prayer without condition, without distinction. In that moment, I had the feeling that we were, we were the same, that there was no real difference between us, that any differing views or opinions or perspectives on anything were negligible. And that despite me being a Buddhist who rejected Christianity as a path of salvation and redemption many years ago, and he being someone who very much believed Christianity to be his path, his path to salvation and redemption. And we had much more in common than we had separating us. This was what came to me. This is one of those moments where, where time sort of stops and there is a, there's the space to reflect and take in the experience. So, okay. Now it's confession time. Uh, as I mentioned, I rejected Christianity as a path for me years ago. And I was in seminary to be a Christian minister at the time. It was pretty dramatic. <laughs> So I won't go into the reasons for this, as one would assume they are deeply personal and, and also maybe not relevant to our discussion here today. But the upshot is, since then, I tend to tread very, very carefully around evangelical and fundamentalist Christians. As a gay man, myself, a member of the LGBTQ plus community, we are often targets of rejection, revulsion, and even hate by evangelical and fundamentalist Christian people and their institutions. And then there are the whole host of other, quote, issues, unquote, upon which we disagree. And I won't go into all those issues either. So around self-identified Christians in general, I'm careful with my words, careful about sharing opinions, and even I'm very careful about sharing anything about myself at all. And in that, I stop being open. So my mindset, my posture, my mental posture, my being is guarded, protected, and closed when I'm around conservative Christian people or people whom I assume to be conservative Christians. So how am I describing myself here? What is my confession? What is my ultimate confession in this? Well, I realized yet another way in which I'm holding back, another way which I'm closing my heart, covering my authentic self, shutting myself in, protecting myself. And it isn't conscious. It isn't really intentional. But it is protective. It is reflexive. It is defensive. And this self-realization is actually a moment of grace. 
Maybe not Christian grace as Christians would define it, but grace nonetheless. I've just had my eyes, my mind opened to another rough spot in my character that needs smoothing and polishing. And this is part of our project, right? This is part of uncovering the authentic self. Finding those areas we need to work on. Finding the things that are are unfinished. Finding the grime covering our, our pure natures and getting rid of that. So by paying attention to our lives, by paying attention to our actions, reactions, thoughts, opinions, judgments, by intentionally observing ourselves as we go about our daily lives, as I did in this particular moment of, of this prayer, as I observe that, we in those moments where we're doing this intentionally, we learn where the psychic sediment covers up our authentic selves. We learn when we are protecting ourselves rather than opening up, being open, being available, hearts shining out. And what happens when we open up, when we uncover and unhide the hidden protected parts of ourselves? What happens is we are then free to give, free to help, free to be someone others can rely upon, someone others look to. This is authentic. So as you'll remember from many of our previous discussions, our, our egos drive us to protect, to defend, and chart a course of self-preservation and self-promotion. That's the job of the ego. And that isn't really the job of the authentic self, but it is instinctual, physically, genetically instinctual. It's like pulling your hand back from a hot pan. We react. But, and here's the secret sauce of all of this, but we also have grace. In Buddhism, we call it Buddha nature. And Buddha nature is the seed of compassion, the seed of altruism, kindness, and peacemaking that's in all of us, in every living being, in every existence. And when we nurture this seed and let compassion grow in us, when we give of ourselves, our time, energy, words, resources, without condition, when we extend kindness to others without distinction, when we engender peace and diffuse conflict, we are fully our authentic selves. And in those moments, we are really, truly, purely happy. It's a state you don't even notice. Those are the moments. Those are the moments that we want to, to extend and sustain. And when we are fully expressing our Buddha nature, we realize that not only are our lives blessed, that we are blessed in many ways, we realize that the blessings of our lives 
as we act altruistically, are infinite. The blessings of our lives as we act altruistically are infinite. And realizing this, we can realize that blessings are actually not for us. They're not ours to keep. The blessings of life are not something that we've earned per se that are ours, like salary, wages. Rather, they are the natural outcome or consequences of waking up, of awakening to our authentic selves, to expressing our Buddha natures, to reaching out to help others. And as such, this is the superpower. They are not ours to hold and keep. Blessings are not ours to hold and keep. Rather, we are the steward of blessings, the custodian of blessings. The blessings of our lives are for us to share to give out, to empower us, to be even more of a help to others in even more situations. They exist and come to give us the confidence, the power, the resolve and determination to extend our reach, to go further, to be someone others can rely upon, to be someone others seek out, to be someone that others miss. Again, it is a virtuous circle. More giving means more blessings received and which can be given more widely and effectively, which generates more blessings, which can be given more widely, and so on and so forth. Doesn't this just turn everything we think we know about life on its head? It's kind of mind-bending. But, but this is the direction to go. Happiness comes from being a cause of happiness. Happiness comes from being a cause of happiness to others. A cause of relief. A cause of peace. A cause of kindness. A cause of help. And we can be that cause. It is a choice we can make. In our lives, we can choose to awaken. Intentionally. Consciously. With determination and confidence. So, going back to the moment of insight I had during the prayer before eating. In that moment, I realized that despite all of my negative mindset about Andy's brand of Christianity, in that moment, I saw him as someone who is on a path and someone who is seeking to find and share happiness. Sound familiar? And there I am myself. I recognized myself in him. And in that recognition, I realized not 
only are we more alike than different, we are virtually the same. While the methods might be different, while the religions are different, the paths are different, the faiths are different, so many differences, yet the grace, the grace is the same. The theologians might disagree on the fine points here, but it's not intellectual fine points we're focusing on. It is experience, insight, and the action that empowers. And this reminds me of what we've mentioned before, that all living beings, no matter how small and simple or large and complex, all living beings are trying to be happy, whatever happiness looks like to their existence. There's a saying in Buddhism, many rivers, one ocean. One meaning of this is that there are many different paths, faiths, practices, and spiritual traditions, but they all lead to the same ocean. This again underscores that those of us of different faiths, different religions, different cultures, different nations, different anything, we all want to be happy. And we all want to be ultimately in a state of grace. With this experience, I personally am challenged to investigate and root out more of my biases more of my judgments, more of my othering and dismissing. So I will use as my meditation on that exercise, I will use as my own personal meditation, that moment of unity, of sharing a prayer of blessing over a meal. And that emotional reaction I had to this, to this sense of oneness, of unity, of despite surface differences, the shared sense of grace. So what happens next? We've got this experience of oneness with another very different person, me and Andy. We've got a realization that we need to continue to work on opening up to, to unprotecting. We are thus able to be more of a help to others. We recognize that. And we're not just the recipient of blessings and good things, but we are the custodians, the curators of them. And we can keep sharing them, expanding our power to be of help, of being a person others can rely upon. And in all of this, we recognize we are all, all living beings. We are all trying to be happy and that we all want to be in a state of grace. So what happens next? What, what, what happens is when opening one's heart and mind this way, a sense of gratitude wells up from deep within. Have you felt it happen before? After doing something where you acted for another without really thinking about it, selflessly, just impulsively, just did it. We've all done something in our lives like this many times. But when you've done it, and when it's over and done with, there's a sense of gratitude. Think about it. Try to remember that sense of, 
gratitude that you were there, that you were able to help, that you were available, that the situation was right, that you could be of service. Gratitude for our lives. Gratitude for the people in our lives. Gratitude for the blessings of which we are the custodians. So when you have that moment of gratitude, that untethered, self-originating sense of gratitude, when it happens, don't let it diminish. Don't just bask in it like you're taking a hot bath. Rather, meditate on it. Look at it. Turn it over in your heart, in your mind. And as you do so, you'll discover that there is gratitude for experiencing and feeling gratitude. Primordial gratitude. And this, this primordial gratitude is another expression of your Buddha nature. And discovering it, letting it blossom in your heart and mind, you'll find it is more abiding. It is another aspect of your authentic self. It doesn't just disappear like smog in the sun or smoke into the air. It abides. The more you pay attention to it, the more you're aware of its causes, the longer it abides. So finally, through all of this, I was reminded that it is vital, vital to be unconditional. Even if we're being unconditional and non-judgmental, even though we're being that way to others, they might not be accepting us. They might not be giving us the same latitude, the same generosity. Not at all. Probably not. But that makes our practice all the more powerful and effective and helps us to become even more confident, more determined to keep making efforts to uncover and reveal our authentic selves. Going back to the dinner and to Andy, in that moment of realization, I let my guard down. And with more of an open heart, I was able to listen to him and listen to him talk about his life, his interests, his goals, and his uncertainty about all of that. And I was able to just experience being with him, being with a young person who was more like me than I thought, despite our very different spiritual paths. And I learned from him about me. Andy and I may have very different opinions about many things, and I may have a very different opinion for most, if not all, conservative Christians. But when we can open our hearts to the person across from us, when we can be open and present for the individual we are with, regardless of who or what they are, or what they believe, we truly step into being unconditional. This is one aspect of the ocean that many rivers flow into. This is how we come to cherish our neighbors, cherish strangers, and cherish those who might otherwise be enemies and opponents. Peace happens in this intersection. Peace happens 
in this intersection when at least one heart, our own heart, is open and willing to help. This is grace. So thank you. Thank you for joining again. I hope that the next days ahead are ones full of fun and full of joy and full of happiness. And I hope doing this work of uncovering the authentic self is bringing you more joy and happiness in your daily life. Certainly it's work, certainly it's struggle, certainly it's frustrating, but it will pay off because you will find not only you yourself are happier, but all those around you are becoming more happy too because you have become that person others rely upon. What a project. Thank you so much for joining me. Thank you. Thank you for listening. If you enjoyed this podcast and want to hear more, please subscribe and share. If you'd like to share your own experience, thoughts, or ask a question, please send an email to mike at resonant.social. With gratitude, theme music is courtesy of Stock Audios, distributed by Pixabay. A Resident Life is a podcast from the Time Is Now Productions. 